Thank you. Oh, the passage we are going to be looking at today is Hebrews 6, verses 16 to 20. They say this, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I want to speak to you this morning about how to depend on God's faithfulness. I grew up in London um, to two parents who weren't Christians that had kind of no background with Christianity at all. Church wasn't a thing for us, apart from one Christmas when my mum forced me to go to church and I made a deal with her that I would go if I could wear the leather sequin catsuit that I had just opened for Christmas to church. To give you a picture of what life looked like around this time, um, both parents had grown up in circumstances which didn't set them up well. My mum's own mum was 15 when she had her and struggled with quite severe alcoholism for her whole life. And that kind of filtered down into my immediate family as well. So my parents had a really complicated relationship with each other. And they struggled lots with drugs and alcohol addiction. Um, and they split up when I was four. And my dad was arrested and sent to prison. And um, so I stayed with my mum. And my mum was trying to juggle raising a young child, holding down a full-time job, all of the stuff that comes with like living human life and being a parent. And she found it really difficult, as anyone would. And so after a bit of time of doing that, my um, mum lost her job and we became homeless. So we lived in different hostels across London. And when my mum came to faith on Alpha in my teenage years, I thought and I hoped that it was a phase that would pass. And it didn't, obviously. <laughs> the faith that she introduced me to, Jesus, who she introduced me to, was good news for my life. Because I was 15 at the time, and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea who I was meant to be, what the purpose of my life was. If I was doing my friendships right, I really had no clue. And I was also just feeling a bit let down. Um, I was feeling let down by a dad who wasn't really present, and by a family that was quite messy, and by circumstances that didn't look as though I hoped they would look. And I hadn't really seen this kind of concept of faithfulness in my life. And so when I started going to church as a teenager and we would sing songs like we just have done about Jesus being faithful, I couldn't get it. I just couldn't understand it. And maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you too are struggling to understand how God can be faithful. Maybe it's the stuff going on in the world, war, conflict, poverty. Maybe it's your own circumstances at the moment. Where do we go when our mental health is in a really low spot? Or when that relationship that we've worked at for a really long time feels like it's beyond repair? Or the job that you really wanted and prayed for has just been given to someone else? 
or when someone you love has just received a horrible health diagnosis. Or maybe it's even more than that. Maybe there is a single event in your life and that makes it feel impossible to understand God's faithfulness in the face of trauma or of guilt or of shame. This morning, I want to suggest from this passage three ways that we can depend on the faithfulness of God. The first is to trust in God's promises. The very start of this passage, verses 16 and 17 say, people swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. We can find God's faithfulness in his word. When you read the Bible, what does it say? Growing up, I was a top-class haggler. I spent my days making deals. And if you're here with kids, you probably know how this goes. I, the best deal I ever made with my mum was when I was about 13 years old, we went up to Nottingham, which is where our extended family are. And I'm not normally a dog person, but a dog in the family, a, a dog owned by someone in the family, um, had just had eight puppies. And I lay my eyes on this tiny golden Labrador. She was so small, she'd fit in the gap between the sofa and the floor. And I lay my eyes on her and I was like, I want to take her home. So I turned to my mum and I said, Mum, please can we take this puppy home? I promise I will walk her every day. You do not need to worry about a thing. This is my dog, my responsibility. Hand it over to me. I just need you to take this dog home. And obviously we got home with this puppy and the excuses started rolling in. I would walk the puppy, but I'm too tired. I would walk the puppy, but I'm busy doing 13-year-old things. I don't have time for a puppy. I would walk the puppy, but I already made plans. And this, along with a whole bunch of other deals with my mum, made her realise over time that even when I made a promise, it was highly unlikely to mean anything. So she stopped making deals with me, which was sad. People make promises all the time, but how do we know if they're worth believing? Sometimes people will try to back up their promises they might try to make them sound more reliable by adding something to them. And these verses reveal to us that God has done that for us over centuries. In these verses, we read reference to the promise that God made to Abraham, which was, surely I will bless you and multiply you. He starts by giving this promise. And then just in case we missed it, he goes on to confirm it with an oath. Isn't that kind of him? So he promises and then essentially promises again just in case we weren't sure. We read in verse 16 that people often swear by someone greater than themselves. But God cannot upgrade this promise to make it more reliable. He can't swear by someone greater than himself. So he just swears by himself. He made it so that no one can add to the promise. No one can add any value or take any value away from it. He makes the promise. And God's promises are not like my promises. They're unchangeable, they're unshakable, and they're forever. And kind of avoiding getting too deep, I use the word promise really lightly now in my life because I have some things kind of ingrained in my memory from growing up. 
I remember being um, eight years old and sitting in my bedroom, looking out of the window at the drive outside, thinking that my dad might turn up when he promised that he would. And often he didn't. But every time I hoped just a teeny tiny bit that this time might be different. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of people making promises. But we often put the doubts that we have, the fears that we have, onto God. But when God makes us a promise, we don't have to hope that he is who he says he is. Because he just is. One of my favourite promises found in scripture is Matthew 11, verses 28 to 29. says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And when I feel a bit flappy or impatient or a bit irritable, these are the words that I turn to. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in that moment, sometimes what I do, which is a bit cheeky, but I do it, I hold God to his word. If I feel like I'm impatient and irritable and I'm not catching a break, I turn to God and I say, God, you told me that you would give me rest. And I think what happens in that moment is it becomes almost this prophetic moment of acknowledging the things that God has promised to you and speaking them over your life and your circumstances. God, you said you would give me rest. But we can't call upon the promises of God if we don't know what they are. I'm, I get quite stuck on song lyrics, you know. I don't know if you've ever had this. Um, when you hear a song and you really like it, but you can't quite decipher what the words are, um, this happens to me really often, normally in the genre of rap. I... I love a good rap song. I really do. Um, and one of my life goals is to be able to keep up with, like... Dizzy Rascal, Wiley, Governor B. He was here earlier, I was so embarrassed. Um, that is one of my life goals. And in lockdown, I had a bit of spare time. And so one of my hobbies became um, Googling the lyrics to songs. And basically what i do is line by line, section by section, I'd read the lyrics and I would memorise them. And then I'd gradually get further and further and further along through the song. And by the end, I was like, you know when kids learn a dance routine and they run up to their parents like, Mom, Dad, watch me. That was me with my housemates. I have built up quite a good repertoire of rap songs that I can now join in with. Do you want to hear an example? I was joking, but I know. Okay, does anyone know Dizzy Rascal? Okay, I'm ready. What's up, darling? I've been keeping my eye on your movement. Does anyone know this? River improvement. How are you? Guys, I needed you to join in. There's more. I'll show you later, maybe, if you make it to the end. If we know what the words of Jesus are over our life, then we can pray them over our lives, over our friends' lives, over our families' lives. So my challenge today is, do you know the promises of God? Do you know what he said to you? And if you know them, do you trust them? The second thing we can do to depend on God's faithfulness is to know what God has done. Verse 18 says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. God wants to greatly encourage us this morning. My um, songwriting career started and ended quite abruptly when I was 11 years old. I had put off tidying my bedroom all weekend um, I'd, again, the excuses coming out. Um, 
eventually, my mum and my stepdad, who were trying to be very helpful and lovely, decided to come and help me. And as soon as they got into my bedroom, I realised that their method of tidying up was completely different to mine. Um, see, if it was me, I'd just kind of move stuff around so it looked tidier. I would polish around the objects that were on the shelf. It became very obvious they weren't going to do that. They were pulling things out, clearing stuff out, ended up with bin bags full of stuff that they thought I needed to get rid of by the end. And a bit of time into them helping me, I saw my stepdad being very helpful and lovely head towards the space under my bed, which was the space where I kept my personal things, which I didn't want anyone to find. I thought it was a safe space. I thought no one was going to go there. He reached under, pulls out this piece of paper, starts trying to read my handwriting, and reads out what I had written. Now, this was around the time where I had my first proper crush. It was a guy in my year seven class called Vin Lee. I've never told him. If he's here, <laughs> you know now. Um, and what I decided to do was rewrite the lyrics of a popular song by the Pussycat Dolls with Vinley in mind. And so my stepdad stands aloud and he says, you are my baby love, my baby love. You make the sun come out. Oh, Vin, you make us beautiful. And I went red and red and redder. I was so embarrassed. And eventually I decided that the only thing, the only way I could possibly respond to this level of embarrassment was to pack my bags and run away from home. So that's what I did. I fled. And these verses are speaking to those of us who have fled. But the original word used is catafuego which means to flee for refuge. But the implication of this word is not that, we have, not that we're fleeing currently, it's that we have fled and we have arrived at the destination. In doing the action of fleeing, you have already arrived at your destination. So if you have come to Jesus and you've taken him up on that Matthew 11 promise of coming to him and finding rest, there is nothing else you need to do. A few years ago, I worked for a bit in Greece, and um, it was at the time where there were lots and lots of refugees coming from all over the world to Greece. And I was doing another job in the day, but sometimes in the evenings, I'd go and we'd spend some time um, just hanging out with people and chatting. And we met this group of teenage boys who had come together from Eritrea. And gradually, over time, um, they started asking questions about faith and Jesus. And um, a few of them, three of them, asked to be baptised in the sea. So we did that. And I remember baptising one of them. And as he came up from the water, weeping, the words that he said were, Jesus has been there. And it was almost this moment of realisation that God had been there, a realisation of what God had done for him. What do these passages say to those who have fled? They say you can have hope. But again, it's not just hope as we know it in our human world. All throughout the New Testament, all throughout the book of Hebrews, hope is certain. The word used is alpidos. And the way that translates to is expectation of what is sure. What do you feel sure about? You feel sure about your future, your job, your relationships? 
Maybe there are things in your heart or in your life that you are longing for God to do. I know I've caught myself saying, God, if you just did that thing, then I would know that you're faithful. We can be sure about and we can depend on God's faithfulness because he has done everything already. I wonder what it would look like for us to realise that in this moment right now. When we pray to him, we have full access. The Bible says when we ask, we will receive. So if you're holding back because you're waiting for God to do more, can I offer you this reminder of God's faithfulness? Could we be a church who are greatly encouraged to take hold of the hope offered to us with both hands? Can we go all in? Finally, we can depend on God's faithfulness by encountering God's Son. Verses 19 and 20 say, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever. Have you ever found yourself somewhere where you feel like you don't belong at all? This seems to happen to me a lot. A few summers ago, I was offered some tickets to a festival, um, but they weren't just normal tickets, they were artist tickets. And so it wasn't focus, just to clarify. So you kind of camped with all of the artists together. You got your food included. It was a whole package deal. It was lovely. And so what would happen is after a day of like screaming along to our favourite songs, getting all sweaty and gross, we would um, go back to our tent, try and glam up, and then we'd turn up to this dinner. And there was no seating arrangement at dinner. You just got your food and then you sat wherever you wanted. And so me and my friends sat down and a few minutes later... I kid you not, Bon Jovi sat down next to me. And I don't know much about Bon Jovi, so I was really like trying my best with the small talk. Um, and after a few minutes, he turned to me, looked me in the eye and said, so what band are you in? <laughs> and I desperately wanted to say the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> but I couldn't. I went so embarrassed. And all I could think in that moment was, I should not be here. I am somewhere where I don't belong. And in the Old Testament, we read about the tabernacle, this space that was divided into the holy place and the most holy place. One person could enter this space once a year, the great high priest. The rest of the time, this space, the most holy place, was hidden by a big, thick curtain. His presence was hidden from us. These passages retell us what has been done for us, both on a micro level, what has God done in your life, but also on a macro level, what God has done for us through Jesus's life and death and resurrection. Through Jesus, we see God. Through Jesus, we are invited into an encounter with God. He made a way. And unlike the Old Testament, this is no longer something that somebody else can do on your behalf. This is an invitation that is extended to each of us that only we can respond to. This is the hope that we have. And we have this hope because Jesus entered on our behalf. He became the great high priest forever and we were given the Holy Spirit who gives us access 
So when life gets a bit shaky, we have this hope. It is sure and it is steadfast. And we can both find our hope and place our hope in a faithful God. An encounter with Jesus is what does that. Tells us that the faithfulness that we find in God is not just a temporary feeling that we find here. We can be assured and we can know with our whole being that God is faithful. This is why we come here together or we log in online each Sunday and we pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit. This is why we encourage you to join groups and teams. This is why we set aside a few days in the summer where we go away together to focus. Because life can be so busy and we need to be intentional about carving out these spaces to encounter Jesus. I mentioned earlier that when I first went along to church, I found singing songs or reading Bible verses about God's faithfulness really difficult to understand. And for me, there wasn't like a solid moment that I can point to where I say, that's the moment I understood God's faithfulness. But he is so kind and he is so gentle. And he did it over time through a series of encounters with him, through day to day coming to him and saying, God, will you show me that you are faithful? I've realised over time that it is in God's nature that he is faithful. So when we doubt or we get frustrated with our circumstances or we feel like we're let down by the promises of the world, can we make an encounter with Jesus our priority? Verse 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And it goes right on to say where we find it in the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, in the holy place, in an encounter with Jesus, which we now have total and complete access to. This is where we find our hope. Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Have you let this knowledge of a faithful God go from your head to your heart? Do you know that his faithfulness is so much bigger than any of your circumstances? God is faithful even when you feel overwhelmed and your mental health is all-consuming. God is faithful even when a relationship doesn't work out as you hoped it would. God is faithful even when you feel burnt out, when work feels exhausting and you can't see a way out. God is faithful even when health diagnoses come your way. So even when we forget, can we turn our hearts and our minds to trust his promises, to realise what he's done for us and to prioritise an encounter with his son? In Jesus' name, amen.